0: So excited to be with you again. My name is Jeff Fuller, pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church. You can find information at hopeforvermont.org. We're also on YouTube as Living Hope Wesleyan Church. The podcast is Living Hope Wesleyan. We love to share people's stories because once you experience God's goodness, it's just too good to keep for yourself. And one with a great story is the one, the only, Dan Lamus. Dan, welcome back. Dan, it's good to have you on. Can you hear me okay now?
1: Hey, so we may be experiencing a little bit of technical difficulty on my end. There. Yeah, I think we're good now.
0: All right. Well, I'm glad to have <laughs> you back on. Are you there?
1: I am. Sorry about that. Great. I think maybe my Wi-Fi checked out there for a second.
0: Oh, no worries at all. So um, you are the associate pastor at King's Church in uh, New Brunswick. You have multiple locations now. Can you just talk about your current role at King's Church?
1: Yeah, yeah, I will. I am um, one of two associate pastors with King's Church. And my specific areas of responsibility are uh, prayer and crisis care. Well, wow. So uh, along with serving on our senior lead team, um, you know, kind of overseeing Ah uh, the Ministry of our whole church, my specific areas would be prayer and crisis care. yep.
0: talk to me about prayer week.
1: Yeah, oh, that's great. We um we we're right in the middle of prayer week right now. Uh, it's going from uh, May 9th until the sixteenth. And so what prayer week is uh, is a is an effort to help our whole church family discover, prayer and to celebrate prayer so really we, we tried to design a set aside a week uh, where prayer could be accessible to everybody so everybody could get involved somehow uh, because we we want we didn't want to uh, host a prayer week and have it be hey this is a week for everybody who loves to pray because we find that in prayer ministry in most churches, There's certain people who are really gifted in intercession and they love to pray. And the downside of that is the church family can just sort of assume those people over there, they're the ones who love to pray. They do the praying for us and we all love them. If you need prayer, go to them. We wanted to say, no, we, this is not a week for those of you who love to pray, knock yourself out. We wanted to say prayer is an amazing treasure house for everybody we don't want anybody to miss it so let's let's discover and celebrate prayer for a week and and let's and let's bless everywhere everywhere we live let's bless those communities by praying for them so those couple of things were going on it was prayers for everybody let's give everybody a chance to jump in and let's truly bless our communities by praying so. why do you, why do
0: you think prayer is so intimidating for new Christians, non-christians even older Christians that have never experienced the power mm. of prayer?
1: Mm. yeah well I think boy that's a that's a big question i I really feel like it's uh we've relegated prayer to a ritualistic yeah. thing where there's a there's a you can be good at it and you could be not so great at it. And so it's a performance thing. Uh, And and so I kind of think of it this way, Jeff, it it seems like in the gospels, Jesus' disciples had to really press him for a method for prayer. Hmm. I I heard somebody talk recently about the disciples had been with Jesus for quite a while before he finally gave them a prayer to pray. Yeah. And someone someone said, you know, it seemed like it seemed like the disciple, in fact, I think they even say in one of the gospels, John's disciples, John taught his disciples how to pray. Would you teach us to pray? Hmm. You know, and, and apparently they didn't have like a mantra prayer that right. Jesus had Jesus hadn't given them one. And I feel like they like it was almost like reluctantly he said, Okay, here's how you should pray not because he didn't want them to know right. but I think because he didn't want them to turn it into this is all you mm-hmm. should pray or if you're really praying this is what you say and and so he said this is how you should pray I That's love cool. that
0: Yeah me too so, so
1: I think so I think people feel like if I'm going to if I'm going to do prayer there's pressure to do it right and it seems like everybody else knows how to do it right and i i haven't even op- i haven't even tr- tried out a prayer yet right right i think there's a fear of failure fear of looking dumb not doing it right i think it's very intimidating for people and then when you attach to that how powerful the religious spirit is like a spirit of religion it, it which we all know that the church is prone to that like we're prone to saying you know Hey, you know God loves religion, and so we should be we should be good at acting religious, and then God will be happy with us. Which we all know that's garbage, but we fall for it, right? So I think I think it's the performance thing with with prayer. Secondly, I do think people know intuitively praying is going to cost me something. Yeah. And so, you know, you can't come to God and not. As soon as you come into God's presence in real conversation, you right away you're gonna feel his holiness in that I'm not holy. You yeah. Know? yeah. So I think people just intuitively know if I'm gonna talk to God, it's gonna cost me something. Yeah. You know, yeah, definitely. A couple Would of you- ideas. Yeah.
0: You know, when you're with Him, there is conviction, and sometimes conviction is to free us, but we uh, take it on as a burden. But uh, Dan,
1: That's huge. thanks again
0: for making the time. I just want you to travel back in time, so to speak. My mom is one that has always prayed for me, and I've experienced the power of prayer first because she prayed for me. Who's somebody that you look back and you just know their prayers have helped impact your life and lead you to where you are today?
1: Yeah. I would say right away that yeah, I did definitely have a praying mom for sure, but I would want to look to my my dad probably primarily, and my grandfather. Uh, my dad was uh, John Lamas. and some of the people at your church, Jeff, may remember the name Lamas. Yeah. Even you know, I don't know if 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 some people might, but uh, my dad pastored in Springfield, Mass which is not far at all from where you right. are. And so that's where I grew up, Springfield, Mass. And my dad was a school teacher and a pastor. And every morning, like he was always up before the rest of us. Early in the morning, he would be over in the church, we called it then, the church study. Yeah. You still call it that, Jeff? Do you have no. a study or your office?
0: No, we have. I don't have
1: a study. I don't Whatever. have a study, but that was a great name, right?
0: Oh, definitely. Wherever there's Wi-Fi is where I set up. But yeah, having a designated yeah. <laughs> spot is important. Yeah,
1: and it was called a study. Like, like the so my dad's study as the pastor. But he, but I don't know, five five thirty in the morning, he would always be over there before the you know, and he'd be up before the rest of us, and he was always in a good mood by the time I got up out of bed, came to breakfast, and it. But I I knew that part of what he was doing was he was talking to God, he was praying. And I knew all through my teenage years, he was praying for me. My dad was not a manipulative guy or a controlling guy in any sense. But when I would have breakthrough times with God, he would respond literally with joy and weeping. And I know it was because of all the conversations he had with God about me. Hmm. He He never put pressure on me, but I know he's talking to God about me. And Jeff, I, to this day, now I've been an adult now for you know 30-some years, at least physically. I don't know about mentally, emotionally, but many decades I've been an adult. And to this day, I, I still practice my dad's habit.
0: Yeah.
1: Early, early in the morning, I get up and I pray because my dad did. And I know my grandfather, who would have been my mother's dad, that was his habit. And he taught my dad. He like when my dad met his father-in-law, he kind of adopted him as his dad. Yeah. Hmm. And that Charles Dayton, again, a name from way back in the in the Wesleyan church, way back in New York State, Charles Dayton. That's my grandfather, man of prayer. But those two men, and my grandfather saw me through, like I remember camp meetings, when I would come to the altar and have breakthroughs with God, yeah. again, my grandfather would just come alive hmm. and, you know, enjoy. And it was because I know he was talking to God about me. So I would say God, like fathers, praying fathers have impacted my life. I don't think I could be a self-respecting dad and not pray for my kids. I right. Forget about God for a second. I couldn't Go out of this life and stand in front of my dad and my grandfather and admit to them I never prayed for my kids. Right, right. That would, I, <laughs> you know, there's just there's something that I just feel the by honoring my spiritual dads, like literally. But the, I mean, I'm sure there were others. Not only my my actual blood fathers, but there are other, like other dads in the church, like. Knowing that spiritual fathers pray for me, I feel like I'm, I can, I could charge anything with that knowing they're praying for me. So definitely my dad, big, too, big hero, big hero.
0: That, that gives me chills. Literally, I have goosebumps because um, my son is 19. He went to college for a year. Online college was tough academically. He doesn't really enjoy academics anyway. So he ended up working okay. two jobs and, but just knowing that there's so much power in prayer and that our children will come around. And uh, I mean, he loves Jesus, goes to church. He's a 19 year old boy growing up, but some of the foundational Mm. things are there and it's so exciting to hear and be reminded of and encouraged by that prayer does work because it's not our Mm. efforts or performance. It's who we're, who we're speaking with, who we're talking to. And Mm. so, You mentioned Mm, being a dad, you mentioned being a father and really understanding the need to pray for your children. But when Mm. or how old were you when you realized you needed to pray for yourself and not just rest on those praying for you? Mm,
1: Yeah, well, that's interesting that you would say your son's 19. Because I would say 19, I was 19 when I headed off to college. And for me, my parents had agreed to and uh, to pay for my Bible college time if I would go for a year or two, just for my own like development, right? And really, it was in it was upon entering Bible college, really with a heart that was, to be honest with you, pretty numb toward God. Like just just like your son, I've known the gospel really since. I, since I was in diapers, I heard yeah. the gospel. Yeah. You know, I think I may have said this the last time we talked. I started attending church in diapers and I probably stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably finish my time attending church in diapers again. But but I but it was the brown 19. I began to own that. I'm, I'm a man now. I, I've got to. I've got to have my own relationship with God. And at that time in my life at Bible college, I I really put it before God. Uh, I really, I really feel like I'm dead and numb toward religion and church life. And it just seems empty to me, God. And I want to give you this fall semester of Bible college. And if you don't show me something that is real enough for me to live and die for during this school year, I'm walking away and which, you know, as a pastor's kid, any pastor's kids listening, you could probably understand that, understand (laughs) that angst because you get so frustrated with religion that you're like, I'd rather go to hell than live in this the rest of my life. Right. Right, And it can be that intense to a pastor's kid. I know it sounds crazy, but it can, and that's where I was. But during those years, God, or during those months in that, as a 19 year old, Jesus began to break into my heart and relate to me on such a personal level. And I, and then that time I began to realize, you know, Jesus loves me so much as me that I don't ever want to leave this space of this personal relationship with, with Jesus, um, and, and that that's when I began to say, I've no one else can steward this for me. Because frankly, and I don't know if this will make sense. I'm just kind of speaking off the cuff. But
0: yeah.
1: I feel because Jesus knew and wanted me as me, I realized no one else can really speak into this. This is me and Jesus. Like, yeah. like no matter how much my mom or dad loved me or any of my friends or my brother loved me, they did not know what I was sharing with Jesus in my just time with him. Right. So I think in that season, I realized if I step out of this conversation I'm having with Jesus, it's all gonna blow apart. Yeah. So for any young men, young women like your son, and like I doubt he's listening to this podcast with this old dude. <laughs> but but just to encourage any, anybody that age or parents with kids that age, you know what, what you, they need most is Jesus to come and show them he loves them for them yeah That's as they thing. are, you know, and uh, they will not want to trust that to anybody else. So right. it's going to be so sacred to them that they will own, they, they will say, no, I've got ai got to steward this garden because nobody else can.
0: That's really wise yeah. thank you for sharing and again it's very oh. encouraging uh, so cool. f- fill in some or connect the dots you went to Bible college but you didn't you weren't going to go into vocational ministry when did that all come about that you wanted to pursue yeah. vocational ministry
1: yeah yeah I um my i was I was a musician and had actually uh actually applied to Houghton College to enter their Music department, music program. That's what I was going to do. But while I was, and so I was at Bible college for the sake of getting on track spiritually and figuring out who I was in a safe environment, in a God filled environment. That's what my parents had in mind for me. But during that time, I think I began to realize I had a real aptitude for pastoring. And it was very much in me uh, and but I was afraid of it. I was afraid of what that would cost me. Could I actually be myself and be a pastor? And during that one school year, uh, God really sorted out a number of those issues for me. That um, that that I could be myself and follow him. And so, therefore, I could be myself and be a pastor. And then he began to uh, teach me about... Um, about overcoming fear and intimidation with his courage. Uh, again, again, I didn't have to become someone else to be courageous and brave, I could be me. So during that year, uh, really began to sort a lot of that out. Of course, my parents wrestled because they had let go of the dream of being, be, me being a pastor long ago, and now they were set on, I'm going to be uh, you know music educator or whatever, that's what I'm gonna go after. And so it was a real struggle for them to you know to trust that i had a sweet clue what i was doing (laughs) right they were funding this so they're like man like we you're telling us this is god's will for your life but we have a different will for your life so we have a problem sure and that was a that was a journey for us you know as, as as a child and the parents but we worked it out but that when i realized that there was a call on my life to pastor being at this little bible college in new brunswick was the best place to be Hmm. uh and so god captured my heart and it was a process of laying down dreams of being a recording artist laying down dreams of doing other things and that was a real real process over a year or two there but um but yeah that it once once I realized there was a call to be a pastor staying in Bible college felt like a no-brainer for me like this is where I should stay um yeah so that I don't know if that digs in deep enough but that's that's kind of what it was like for me.
0: no that that's huge and uh, laying down dreams um, that's a process that's very difficult, especially in our society currently. Mm-hmm. What is it about sacrificing what you want for God's better? That molds us, but really forges us in the fire. That um, there's no experience mm-hmm. like it. So I guess the question is, wow. if you if you were talking to somebody and saying, "Yes, but your dream is nothing compared to what God has designed you for," how mm-hmm. how would you walk with someone through that process?
1: Yeah, that's really good. Just super quick. I think I would. I would start by saying, you know, the Bible teaches that every person is created in the image of God. So you weren't weren't a mistake. You know, God, God designed you, had you in mind before you were even born. So he designed you in his image for a purpose. And so that's always present in you. Like, I don't want anybody to ever live to be 60 70 years old and still resisting god i don't want that but even if you did even if you were 70 years old and you've never surrendered to jesus that image that way that you are made in the image of god is still present in you yes and i don't care if you're 70 80 years old you surrender to jesus he wants to take he wants to uncover that that way that you reflect god and his so the fire the trial of laying down your dreams laying down your agenda to embrace his and trusting that his dream for you is much greater than anything you could come up with uh that 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 is all about uncovering that core in you that at the core of who you are is this image that reflects god God's all about uncovering that. And he has promised throughout his word that he will give you the desires of your heart if you delight in him. Right. You know, if you, uh, you know, how does it go in Proverbs there? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Uh, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Like, and he's the God of abundance. So if you're made in his image and he has dreams for you, they are abundant. Um, but he will respect, he will respect our decision right. to do our own thing. If that's what we do, that's what we wanted to do. And yet he has, he has this, these dreams for us that he prepared in advance. I would like to say this. Um, I don't know the, I don't know the scripture reference, but you know, when Paul talks about how everyone's works will be tried by fire. Yeah. Yeah. And uh Hmm. I don't know if it's I can't remember what uh what what letter it's in, but it's about this fire of God that everybody will be tried by this fire, and that the the, and Paul says, you know, that our works that we do are going to be tried in God's fire, and everything that was made of wood, of hay, of stubble, of cheap materials is going to be burned away. Hmm. But so what we've done with that, we have this idea that God's out to wreck our lives. right? But we missed the point that that it's a refining fire. That you're so valuable to God that he's sending his fire upon your life to bring out the gold, the precious stones, because that's what Paul says. Right. The fire is going to reveal what is built, you know, what is built of these precious stones and precious metals. And I just think about the people in your church, the people in my church, people in my family. God did, God is so desirous that he sends us. He walks us into his fire to bring out this awesome person he's created in Christ. That's just really going to blow the, the mind of their community with his glory. So he's not out to wreck your life. He's right. actually out to uncover The reason he even thought you up in the first place, that stirs me. It's like, what's the potential of that? You know, um, we disqualify ourselves often because we think, well, hey, I may have only made my life out of this cheap material, but at least I've got a life. I can't afford to let God's fire come upon it. We do that with our dreams. Like, I've got these dreams, but they're the only ones I have. So I can't let go of them. But God says, trust me. I actually, there's actually somebody living in you that I want to show you. You know, when, when the scripture says, you know, the hope of God is Christ in us, the hope of, oh, sorry, the mystery of God is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So Jeff, me, you, your son, your family, my family, we like Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what the world longs to see. Yeah, And really, let's let's face it. When I dream of greatness, what I'm dreaming of is Christ in me. <laughs> like God wants right, to partner right. with you in your dreams. Like if you've got dreams, he wants to take those and go, hey, you right. surrender that to me. I'm going to multiply those beyond yeah. your wildest dreams.
0: Uh, So good again. Uh, Dan Lam is joining, he's an associate pastor at uh, King's Church, and king'schurch.cc is where you can certainly find more information. And Dan, I just wanted to share I finished the book, um, Tempered Resilience by Todd Bolsinger. In it, he talks a lot about just uh, the forge and what tempering really means and looks like. And so, that Mm -hmm. was definitely um, challenging, but an encouragement for you. When well. Let me just share. When I was a freshman in uh, college at Bethany Bible College, you were working admissions, or actually maybe the year before when I came up to visit. But when I was mm-hmm. there, you, Mike McNeil, there are a couple other guys. Uh, you guys were the ones we all looked up to because, at least for me, I'm like, I don't want to be the traditional pastor. If I want to grow my hair right. out, I'm going to, or whatever the case might right. be. <laughs> how how important was it for you to have Mike or other Christian brothers that didn't see I say it carefully but as traditionally as some might say but your love for God was still as fiery and hot as anybody else's love for God
1: Mm, mm. yeah that you so how how important was that connection that brotherhood yeah 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 that was yeah that was really important um yeah I they saw things in me and called it out that I didn't see in myself. Like God Mm -hmm. used those men specifically, you know, Mike, Andrew, to come along and say, you know, when you do that thing, when you act that way, when you inspire, when you inspire people that way, you're unlocking something in them for God. Keep doing that a bunch. Um, they also would invite me to be part of projects they were doing. Now, little did I know I was probably doing the same for them. I didn't realize it, but they would pull me in on their worship events or their, their retreats they were doing. Like Mike used to, uh, uh, do these retreats on, you know, how, how being called by God doesn't mean you have to be a pastor. Like everybody's a called person. Mike used to say, uh, you know you may not be called to be a be a full-time pastor but you're called to be a full-time christian yeah yeah you know and back in the 90s that was really cool to say something like that <laughs> but but <laughs> uh but he would pull me in to lead worship at his event you know or andrew who was a great worship leader would pull me in to speak at his event so inviting one another to minister together like like realizing i you know, I'm. I i do not do this alone. Really, legitimized that that thing that you yeah. that you were mentioning. I want to do something real and different in my generation, God, and I want to lead generations after me to do something unique and creative. The courage to actually move forward on that came from being invited in on other people's hmm. these brothers' projects, and I would do the same for them. Right so i think that jesus sending people people out two by two you know that thing mm-hmm. of having a witness with you like i might be crazy but i'm not crazy by myself somehow turns your idea into something really really legit and usable uh and you know i would just like to really encourage anybody listening uh yeah if you've got an idea that seems wild to you yeah really don't be hesitant to share that with To share it, because in your sharing, it actually can kind of take on a life of its own, and God can really connect you with a brother or sister that may add something to you. Um, Because you know, something where I think we're going to rediscover as we go forward in the church in our time is that God, God isn't trying to bring things that are broken back to what they were. Right. God wants to take things that are broken and make something better.
0: Yeah,
1: He wants to take all those pieces. All and some of those times, those pieces come as ideas. Yeah. Like you may, may you may your life you may have come and your life is wrecked and you you come to know Jesus and your life comes back alive again. You're wondering what do I do? Bring the broken pieces of what you have left and trust God to make something even better than what it was. And I think doing that in partnership with others, having somebody you can share that with, is very powerful. Other people can see things in you that you don't see about yourself, and, and pull that to the surface. It, so, I would say that camaraderie was really important. I don't, I wouldn't have gone after some of the things I did just on my own,
0: hmm.
1: without without those brothers pulling me in on their thing, and I would do the same for them. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, preaching through Hebrews, and in Hebrews eight, it talks about founded on better promises. Early in Hebrews, it talks about it is impossible for God to lie, and tying that in mm-hmm. on Mother's Day, it's uh, God came that we could abide and find rest in Him, and um, what joy it mm-hmm. is when we are resting in God's will, but we're experiencing things that we could only have dreamed of before. But um, yeah, so, so Dan. Love it, quite, man. Question for you, King's Church, kingschurch.cc, it's not a small church. I imagine it's larger than the churches you grew up attending. For you, so so many people, pull in their previous experience for their current opportunity, for Mm. you, what have you drawn on to appreciate about the small country family churches, but also the mission field that God's bringing to you and you're a part of right now in King's Church?
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, that's really good because the to this day, like I've I've had the unique experience of being with this same church now for oh I kind of lose track, but over thirty years anyway. So over three decades, I've been leading in the same church, and so. Uh, And it's it's always been a bigger church in our region. And it's all, like, right from the start, it was a larger church than I grew up in. But what I learned in a smaller church was the value of relationship, realness, authenticity. Because in a smaller church, you can't hide. Like, everybody knows everybody's business. And so, as a pastor, I, I, I don't think I could, I don't think I could ever be involved in nurturing and growing a church without authenticity sharing conversation knowing one another that's just part of my dna and so even to this day as i've as i've kind of risen in the leadership ranks of of our church and now i'm part of the lead team to this day people will say you know what i love about you you're so real Hmm. you're so authentic and I think against the backdrop of a a, you know a very large church for our region where we have you know like about 3,000 people probably that would identify King's Church as their church right you know across our different locations you know I mean pre-COVID we might have 1,800 people attending across our locations you know Regularly, because people, when they say they go to church regularly, that might be once a month these days, right? right? It's it's hard (laughs) to tell. Anyway, and then we have an online crowd. But to this day, I think literally even yesterday, against the backdrop of a large church, which could feel very corporate, to be authentic, you know, free to share about what's going on in your life, really listening to people, if that's in your DNA as a follower of Jesus against a backdrop of what people think they're gonna get you really you really pop like you really stand out like right. a diamond on a black velvet cloth when you when you say no authenticity and humility are huge priorities to me it stands out that makes you extraordinary mm. right away it does so right. if you're if you're somebody you don't feel like you're a good communicator you don't feel like you have much to offer hey at least be authentic right I'm telling you. If you lean on authenticity and humility, you are going to get open doors for ministry. I'm telling you, people are going to come and find you. If you're willing to be authentic, you know, with as a Jesus person, but all that to say, I owe that to a small church,
0: hmm. Hmm.
1: like growing up in a small church is the reason I hold authenticity and humility at a high level. Cause you can't. You can't fake that in a small church for long. People are going right. to, right? People are going to call you out. So you know, um, yeah.
0: So I ask this next question, kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, being from the United States of America, going to Bethany Bible College in New Brunswick, Canada, but then remaining in Canada. What made you stay in Canada versus coming back home, so to speak?
1: Yes. Hmm. Oh, that's really that's really good. That three things really quick. One is I loved I loved the people in Atlantic Canada. I grew up like I said in Springfield Mass, things moved very quickly. It's a fairly chaotic city. Uh lots going on, it moves a little too fast for me. Uh just you know, even as a teenager I felt overwhelmed often. Hmm. And I found in the people of Atlantic Canada, an earthiness and a genuineness that I really loved and was just really drawn to. So part of it was I just loved the people. I love the culture here. And it just was very comforting to me at a time when I really needed it. Um, but then I also met my fiance in Bible college and she was from New Brunswick. And so we met, fell in love, married at the very mature age of 21. <laughs> Oh, my soul. We were very mature 21-year-olds. Every 21-year-old thinks that. (laughs) Yeah, there's all these other 21-year-olds in there. Then we knew what we were doing. But anyway, uh, so that was another tie-in here. But then third was uh, that God began to really teach me the value of this culture and what he wanted to grow here. The young men and women he wanted to raise up and send from here, everywhere in the world, to have an impact. And he began to give me a dream for that. And in our early early years of our marriage, we worked for Bethany Bible College recruiting students. And during those years, God really began to show me that out of very ordinary, basic, kind of earthy places, God raises up world changers. Yeah, yeah. And i just really fell in love with that and along the way god just basically began to tell me you know what you you're you never get to leave here like this you are part of here and i am making you one with this one with this land in a sense right and so as god did that i just you know i had lots of tie-ins with family that were still in the states but home began to shift to wherever God's planted you. And the more God planted me in Atlantic Canada, I just knew he was changing my heart. I being part of this place. So yeah, that's, so now for me, it's here, I'm looking back on 30 some years and I just like, I can't imagine really ever leaving here.
0: I just think of uh, that expression, married to the land or married to the people. And I know once you become married, my mm-hmm. wife and I are celebrating our 20th anniversary. And she was 21. I saw that. Pretty crazy. But she was 21 wow. as well. I was 26. But um, once you're married, you're like resolved like, oh, I don't have to date anymore. I don't have to worry about what it, And it's just there's such a comfort and freedom in knowing that this is who I'm supposed to be with. Or in your case, like this is where yeah. God wants you. Uh, Dan, before we let you go, I have one story that I want you to tell. You probably can imagine which one it is. But uh, Dan Lamus, (laughs) kingschurch.cc, great friend, mentor of mine, hero, spiritual father for years and years and years. So Dan, I just want to say I appreciate you so much and thank you sincerely. But I was able to experience God move from, well, I don't know if God moved because you said it or what, but God moved in a phenomenal way when we were at a camp with a tabernacle with an old tin roof tabernacle just meeting place gathering place we try to sound spiritual calling it a tabernacle and then a rainstorm (laughs) came can you uh finish up this story
1: yeah oh i love that yeah that particular day at camp youth camp jeff were you there as a counselor or a camper counselor yeah yeah that's right i okay and your buddy andrew maves was one of the campers
0: yep yep and, and there Leport were was there the
1: point. yeah yep. and then yeah so uh matt there's a matt too i can't remember his last name matt barton mark no yeah and mark thompson mark was croswell yeah Yep. yeah so yeah so that day i felt like god wanted me to preach at the evening rally at this youth camp he wanted me to preach about that call to full-time ministry And and all day long, other people on staff were saying, we feel like God wants to move tonight in a powerful way. And so I was just so fired up for what God wanted to do. And I was sure I had a word from God and God was going to call some people that night. And we had this idea that it might rain like there was in the forecast and because it was a tin roof, there's no way you could hear anything, even with a good sound system with the rain falling. Right. Well, we had finished up the the worship music and it was time for me to get up to preach. And I literally got about 10 minutes into the sermon and I was in the middle of an illustration and it started to rain. And I was like, okay, God, this is not happening. (laughs) And at that time I didn't really, like I was just discovering the power of prayer and prophesying and all that stuff. But I just said, I said, okay, guys, like it's, it was raining. It was starting to drown me out. And so I said into the mic, okay, guys, we need to pray. And I think some of the campers and the staff thought I was praying to close <laughs> the rally because we couldn't continue. I didn't know that's what some people thought in the crowd, but that's what they thought. But I would I had a whole different agenda. So I had the boldness. I had the mic. I was ready to go. And I just said, God. You have an important enough message. You have an important message for these students tonight. And so rain, I tell you, you have to stop in the name of Jesus. God, would you just turn back this rain? And this rain has to stop right now so these kids can hear God's word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And Jeff, you were there.
0: Oh, I was there. I was there. We
1: said amen, and it wasn't 10 seconds. And that rain stopped. And I had that thing where I was like, so in awe, I didn't know if I could keep going, but I was like, I gotta get some words out of my mouth or else I'm not, you know, we're gonna get sidetracked. And I just went for it. And I said to you guys, the word God has for you tonight is so important that he stopped the rain so you could hear it. And man, the rest of that meeting was so present with God. And I'm pretty sure some guys that night, at least, at least Maves, if not a few others, said, Okay, I'm in. Yeah. God encountered me tonight and spoke to me. He's got the rest of my life. I'll serve him in ministry. But that was such a powerful moment. Um, we were all in awe. But you know, you know, as a as a pastor and anybody else who's ever been in this position, you have to play it off like, Oh yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, this is what God does. But inside you're like Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And, you know, been been very few moments like that, but that was such a faith builder for me. Like, I've been in a couple other situations where having experienced that encounter with God, seeing him move like that, it gave me courage to believe God for more. So thanks for letting me tell that story. I love it.
0: Oh, and it, yeah, it's, it's wonderful because it isn't, I know of somebody that was there. It wasn't like, I've heard this story about, but I actually was able to witness uh, your leap of faith and just having God use you. It's uh, always been a, an encouragement for me. But Dan, we thank you so much. If if you would, would you just close us in prayer? And I just yep. value so yep. much. But, uh, thank you so much.
1: And just just before I do that, Jeff, I just want to say I honor you. And I just, I just say happy anniversary to you and Bethany and honor you as, as a son. Like you, you are somebody who, whenever you say that I was a mentor, kind of a spiritual father to you over the years, I'm so honored because I just, you're, you're an honor to me. And whenever I hear your name, I feel very honored in my heart. So just want to bless you and thanks for this effort to broadcast the, the, the kingdom life. And the joy of living for Jesus. So, God, I just thank you for Jeff. Thank you for this broadcast. Thank you for his church, his family, God, for Bethany. Uh, Lord, give them an amazing day today of celebration. Lord, bless my friends who are listening to this with uh, courage to put their dreams in the fire. You only want to refine them, God. And I pray especially for young men and women. As we've talked about Jeff's son, Lord, thank you for them. They are an honor to us. We love these young men and women. In the name of Jesus, we commit them to you. And may they come forth showing gold and precious jewels that uh, that their works have, uh, have been made of and that they would honor and glorify Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Dan, thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk again soon. We wish you all the best.
1: Sounds good. You're a blessing, man.
0: All right, and again, that's Dan Lamus, kingschurch.cc, kingschurch.cc. You can find information about our church at hopeforvermont.org. We uh, pray for you, but we pray with you. Make that time to listen to the voice of God because it will change you forever. Thanks, everybody.